What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement, Amron. And every Monday, I hop on here and give you guys my top 10 takeaways and lessons learned from the week at hand. Today, we're going to break down week four of the fantasy football season. Let's not waste any time. If you enjoy at any point, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Thirsty, thirsty, trying to choose. I mean, I know I'm all right, so at the top here, I wanted to address this because it's a Sunday night game, so it's at the top of all of our heads or the top of our mind, however you want to say that saying, and it was a takeaway I had last week, and I had thought that the Buccaneers being out of the top 20 in neutral pace and in pass rate over expectation was due to Todd Bowles. I thought Todd Bowles wanted to be more conservative, establish the run, try and rely on the defense a little bit more. Bad call by me. They come out there last night, they look good, and what ended up happening was the reason why they didn't pass the ball a ton is because the personnel was different. So, of course, if the personnel is different, they're not going to run uh, as many plays, they're not going to pass the ball as much as we thought they would, like they had with Brady the last two years. So, we get Godwin back, we get Evans back, we get Julio back, Gage is out there, I mean, he's already been out there, and they go out there with a 90% pass rate and a plus 17% pass rate over expectation they jumped all the way from 22nd to 7th in pass rate over expectation on the season in one night. They lost versus the Chiefs, but this game is super encouraging. They ended up with 53 pass plays or 53 dropbacks. Godwin ran 80% plus of the routes. He had 9 targets. Evans had 10 targets. All is right in the world with this offense. Also, something to note is Rashad White had 37% of the snaps, so almost a 60-40 split with him and Fournette. He had five targets, three carries, and a touchdown. I want to say they were using him for like full drives. So I don't think that he's someone that you can start, obviously, but he's someone that needs to be rostered everywhere. I already have him in a bunch of places. Really positive sign for Rashad White. Now, our second takeaway is going to be the rookie wide receiver report, where I give you guys like 14 for the price of one. I have a bunch of takeaways here from the rookie wide receiver report. And this is every week I put this chart together. And this is every wide receiver that's a rookie that has five or more targets on the year sorted by targets. And I have their route participation, so their route divided by dropbacks from weeks two, three, four, target per out run, yards per out run, PFF grade. And Olave continues to shoot up. He goes from a low 70s PFF grade. I want to say he was at like 71, 72 last week. Now he's at 78.1. He's very much in the conversation for an 80 plus. And why we care so much about that is because that's what Amon Ross St. Brown had as a rookie. That's what Antonio Brown had as a rookie. I think Godwin too, Michael Thomas, all of, or not all of them. But if you had an 80 or better PFF grade in your rookie year, it's a really, really strong sign. He also has a 25% targets per out run, over two yards per out run. Super impressed with Chris Olave at this point. I would throw him, I would have London in a tier by himself. And then I would probably have Wilson as 1A and then Olave 1B and like a tier right behind Drake London. And of course, London is still that guy. 83 PFF grade, still over a 30% target per out run, still over a two yards per out run. Wild. Now, not a super strong day for Garrett Wilson here, but the routes were encouraging. As you guys can see, he goes from a 72% route participation in week two. Then week three, he gets hurt. So that doesn't really count 66%, but he goes all the way to 90%. So his highest route participation of the season, and that came even in a game 
where Corey Davis went crazy. Corey Davis, I want to say, had like seven catches or no, probably more like five to six catches, like 80 yards and a touchdown. He looked amazing. And even in a game where I feel like Corey Davis was kind of our wide receiver one, Garrett Wilson, 90% of the routes. And then he also had the most targets on the team. And that was only in Zach Wilson's first game. So I know I came out here and said Elijah Moore is a buy. I still think Elijah Moore is going to be fine. as just a wide receiver three you can start here and there. But Garrett Wilson's firmly the wide receiver one on this team, and he probably already has trust with Wilson. Now, we're going to talk about the Jets in a little bit. But when we look at Romeo Dobbs here, he gets back-to-back weeks of starter routes. So he goes from 43% of the routes to 94 to 95. He is officially a starting wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, which is huge. Now, I will say his yards per out run went down. His PFF grade went down from like a 70 to a 66.3. And I want to say they dinged him really bad for that drop in the end zone, but I could be wrong. But if he's considered the starter and he gets 90% plus of the routes moving forward, he will be an every week wide receiver three for sure. Now, Pickens doesn't look great on this, right? He still has a pretty bad target per out run, pretty bad yards per out run, not a great PFF grade, but he's now stacked together two pretty good games where the first two games, he was running wind sprints pretty much with an 8% target per out run, then a 9% target per out run. Then on that Thursday night game, 24% targets per out run, and then a 31% target per out run just this last week or just yesterday. His PFF grade also went from like mid-50s to now 64.4. Pickens is trending in the right direction. Someone who's not trending in the right direction, Traylon Burks. He, he got injured with a turf toe injury, left the game early, only put up like I think two catches at this point. He is now in the last two weeks with a starter portion of the snaps or of the routes. Three catches, 27 yards after having seven catches for 102 yards in his first two weeks before being a starting wide receiver and just being a rotational wide receiver at that point. So good things were coming. Now he misses time with injury. Super tough break. I don't have much to say about Traylon Burks outside of Super unfortunate because through two weeks, he was super efficient. Everything was looking good. He has one down week, and then he gets injured this week. So we'll have to wait till he comes back. His PFF grade went all the way down to a 64.2 yards per out run under two now, just hanging on to a target per out run of 20%. I'm not ready to call him a face planner or anything, but not good. We would like him to be back in the next few weeks, hopefully turn things around by the end of the season, but not great. Uh, I'll also say Jahan Dotson, he got hurt, right? So his routes go from 87% down to 56%. I'm not really holding that against him, but he's still just scoring touchdowns and not commanding targets or being efficient, right? 12% target per out run, under one yards per out run, despite being a starting wide receiver. The injury kind of puts a damper on his outlook, right? So he's not going to be that much of a sell high candidate, but the next big week he has, I'd be looking to sell Dotson pretty much in any format. Now, Alec Pierce and Sky Moore get in the trend up here where Alec Pierce had six targets, four catches, 80 yards on only 41% of the routes. Six targets, four catches, 80 yards on 41% of the routes, 35% targets per out run. Really, really promising for Alec Pierce. Also, his yards per out run looks solid as well. And then Sky Moore had his highest route participation of the season on only 26% of the routes, but it's going up from zeros, right? He had four targets, two catches, 31 yards, 36% target per out run, four targets on 11 routes. He had more routes than Justin Watson. He's climbing up the depth chart a little bit here. He's looking good on his route. He's commanding targets, and he still has a 75-plus PFF grade where he had 
the spiked PFF grade in week one, where it was just like one catch he had for a long gain. I'm not going to say touchdown. It was a long gain. And then this past week, he had like a 74, 75 PFF grade last night in that game. So he looked good. Now, I'll also say Christian Watson, nothing really pops, right? His route participation went from 0% to 19%. So he's working back from his injury, but his targets per outrun is good on the season, 23%. He had a three-target, seven-route game. So that's three divided by seven. It's like 35% target per outrun last night, I mean, or yesterday afternoon. It was definitely a small sample, but it's interesting. He also had a 15-yard rushing touchdown. I wouldn't count him out. And that he does give me a little bit of pause that if they get Watson back up to like 65% of the routes or 60% like it was in week one, Dobbs might come down, but that could also be Watkins coming down. It could be Randall Cobb coming down. So it's still not a, a done deal if Watson sort of affects Dobbs' route participation. David Bell trending towards face planner at this point. His route participation went down from a season high in week three, only at five targets, 10% target per route run, under one yards per route run, looking pretty ugly for David Bell at this point. And then Kyle Phillips is pretty much dead, where he came out with a really strong start, and his targets per route run and yards per route run are still really strong, but 0% of the routes, 7% of the routes is not good. Potentially with Traylon Burks leaving, or not leaving, but getting hurt. Maybe he comes in there, does his thing, but all of the hype that came this preseason with Kyle Phillips is looking not so great at this point. And then we have our third takeaway. Pittsburgh Steelers what happened what happened uh (laughs) J-E-T-S baby but uh we're not going to do a takeaway for the Jets win every time but this was a really really good Jets win and then I also want to break down some Brees Hall stuff some Garrett Wilson versus Elijah Moore stuff some coach tendency stuff but first of all what a game down 10 to 20 with 13 minutes left Zach Wilson I was fighting for my life on Twitter I was fighting for my life bro Wilson had eight for 24, so that's like a 33%. No, that's almost 50%. I don't know, man. It's bad, though. 12 would be 50%, so it was more like it was like 40% completion, 124 passing yards, two interceptions through three quarters. Not good at all. Shakes the rough stuff, comes out here, down 10 to 20, on the road, in Pittsburgh, 13 minutes left. He goes 10 for 12 for 128 yards and a touchdown. What? Hold on. Oh. Please, bro. Not like this, dude. I'm going to assume we're fine. I'm going to assume we're fine. We're going to keep it rolling. And he comes out here 10 for 12, 128 yards, a touchdown in the fourth. No, 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 no. All right. My, my, my tech doesn't want me to rattle off my Jets take. I don't know why the camera is giving me issues, but we're fine for now. Zach Wilson comes out here, 11 play, 81-yard touchdown drive, ice in his veins, 10 play 65 yard touchdown drive five for five 50 something yards ice in his veins back-to-back touchdowns in the fourth quarter now obviously I'm not ready to crown Zach Wilson a franchise quarterback or like a top 15 potential quarterback in the league but he gave me something right or that dude through the first three quarters I was ready to say I was about to, I was ready to hop on here and be like all right uh time to watch CJ Stroud tape I suppose but He looked great. He saved a a really tough road win in a weird environment or a tough environment on the road. He flashed enough in that fourth quarter for me to be optimistic. Now, when we talk about the rest of this game for a fantasy perspective, we have the Jets pass catchers, which were super frustrating this week. Elijah Moore didn't produce. 
Garrett Wilson didn't produce. It's still it's still positive that uh, Elijah Moore is out here on 38 of the routes, right? 38 of 42 routes. He's still running the most routes on the team. He's seen as the wide receiver one. He got a carry. It's just not converting into targets. I, I really don't know what the issue is here. Now, I will say, slight stock down on the pass catchers here just because it's pretty clear that LaFleur, or not only LaFleur, but Wilson doesn't really have a tendency to just want to target one wide receiver, if that makes sense. Targets are going to be really spread out on this offense, where we were talking about the Eagles on Saturday's video, where they're really consolidated, where A.J. Brown has like a 30% target share, Devonta Smith still has a 24% target share. It's really condensed at the top. The Jets are super flat, where Corey Davis got six targets. Tyler Conklin got five targets. Brees Hall got six targets, right? So that puts Elijah Moore like fifth or sixth on the target totem pole just in this particular game. And this is how most games are going to be. They want to get their tight ends involved. They want to get their running backs involved in the passing game. They want to get Corey Davis involved. I will say it is it is a plus for Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson that Barrios only saw two routes because if Barrios sees more, that digs into Wilson's routes, that digs into Elijah Moore, Corey Davis's. They only had him run two routes this week. That could be from an injury. We're not sure yet. Regardless, this is going to be an offense where they're going to want to just spread the ball around as much as possible, pass it to whoever's open, which is like sort of fine for real life purposes. We would like them to give the ball to talented players, but this is probably the best skill position group for the Jets in a long time. Like Corey Davis, Tyler Conklin, Brees Hall aren't like DeAndre Carter, Justin Watson level randoms on the team, right? Like these are still quality offensive players in real life. Now, when we talk about what that means for Wilson and Moore, targets not being concentrated on them makes it really hard for either of them to be in like the, like it, it's going to be really tough for this offense to ever get to a spot where Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson are accounting for like 50% of their targets this season. So I, I don't think that this means that Elijah Moore isn't talented, right? Like he looks great in his first year. He had two really big plays yesterday where he like got loose downfield. I think he turned maybe three targets into like 50 something yards. Good yard per, yard per out run day. Or probably not a good yard per out run day, but a good like yard per target day, I guess. It's tough. At this point, I would say Elijah Moore is like a low-end wide receiver three, a guy that you can flex during bye weeks and injuries, probably has a couple more splash games or a couple of splash games that he hasn't had yet down the road here. But I don't think he has like wide receiver one, top 15 type upside, not only in redraft, but I think in dynasty as well. It's corny to say it. I was talking with um my boy Todd, who's in the Discord community, who's been around the channel for a while. He's a Jets fan with me. And it's so corny to say, but I do think Elijah Moore is more of a Robin than he is a Batman where, and that's like really the only way I can explain it, where he's probably more of a Robert Woods, a Tyler Lockett, a Brandon Cooks, just a guy who's going to, like, I I have no doubt in my mind that Elijah Moore will have multiple top 24 seasons in his career, but a top five or a top 12 finish doesn't really seem on his radar or, you know, in his range of outcomes. So again, he's still going to be a fine wide receiver down the road. He'll still be great, but I don't think he has that crazy, crazy upside. I do think that Garrett Wilson has CD lamb, T Higgins, Justin Jefferson in his range of outcomes. He still looks great. He looked great. Led the team in targets despite not really producing. So arrow up on the whole offense, but things are going to be spread pretty thin. So I don't know that, like, I don't know that any of these wide receivers by the end of the year end up with a 25% or better target. share. I don't think that that happens now. The next takeaway from this Jets game, Brees Hall had 46 snaps to Carter's 31. Brees Hall out-targeted him and out-carried him, had 23 opportunities to 11 opportunities. This is officially Brees Hall's backfield. 
Brees Hall also scored the game-winning touchdown. The coaches love him. Robert Sala was hyped. He was like, let's fucking go on the sideline, like screaming at Brees Hall after the touchdown. It was huge. They love him. They clearly traded up in the draft to grab him because they like him. And it's really encouraging, man. I mean, six targets for Brees Hall. We thought going in that Michael Carter would be the passing down back. Brees Hall would be the between-the-tackles guy. And even with Wilson in here, right, where Flacco checking down to the running backs like crazy, Brees Hall still very much involved in the passing game. Brees Hall is making the case to be like a top 15 running back rest of season after this game. Now, the last thing we'll touch on here is overall tendencies. Now, I've been praising LaFleur up and down because he's been playing fast. He's been passing the ball a lot. And he dialed that back this week. He dialed it back. He had a 47% pass rate in neutral situations today. League average is like 51%. He's under expectation. We don't have the, the stats when I make these videos, but I know for a fact, man, I was watching this game. It felt like 85% of the first downs were run plays. And if you guys don't know, like one of the best ways to just make an offense more efficient or better, run more smooth, is to go out there, pass the ball on first down. Because you pass the ball and you don't get it, okay. Second and long, you can just keep, keep passing the ball. And if you do, you can get like a second and short where you can either run the ball and get an easy first down, or you can sort of fake play action, opens up stuff deep on a second and short. There's a lot that comes out of that. Now, obviously, you shouldn't have a 100% first down pass rate, but it should be more passes than runs on first down as a general good rule of thumb. It felt like it was 80 to 20 with 80% being run plays yesterday. I still have to dig into that, that data, but it did feel like they were being conservative with Wilson here. It's a trend we saw last year where with Flacco and Mike White, it's like he opens up the offensive playbook and then Wilson comes in and he wants to be conservative. He wants to save his young quarterback. I'm hoping, you know, they let him win the game in the fourth quarter. He's earning some trust there. He probably had some rust, right, coming off an injury four weeks into the season. Didn't really have a preseason to prepare. Maybe we see him sort of take the reins of this offense, be a little bit more modern. We'll see. We don't really have enough data to really know moving forward. Uh, I wrote in this tweet here that if you look at the neutral pass rate by week of all of Zach Wilson's start, 47 or all of his starts, 47% was the fifth highest neutral pass rate among 13 starts for him. The issue is, is that 47% is still well below league average. So we're hoping that gets up to like 50, 51% and that they play with a little more pace. I still do need the, the first down pass to run rate. And I want to know the pace as well. I want to know how quick they were, you know, calling plays and stuff, but a little bit concerning that it feels like LaFleur is sort of putting like, you know, bumpers on the bowling lanes for Zach Wilson. I'm hoping that this earns more trust. We'll see. Now, and I know that they did the Philly special, but I mean, like, th that's like a trickery play. Like, I'm talking, you know, hurry up, shotgun, passing the ball more. We'll see. They were running a lot of no huddle, too, during the season. I didn't really see any no huddle yesterday. Now, our fourth takeaway is bell cow. What do they call him? Like, motor Devin Singletary? Am I, am I screwing that up? They either call him, like, motor or they call him something, man. Um... But Devin Singletary has been not from an output perspective, not what he was down the stretch last year where he was like averaging 20 points per game, but he is getting bell cow type usage where he's almost, I would almost call him like Clyde Edwards, Alaire East. It's a, it's a very similar role. He's probably actually getting a little bit more, like he's getting more usage than Clyde Edwards, Alaire and he's producing in a similar way, but he had 11 catches for 49 yards on the ground. He had five targets, four catches for 47 through the air. Almost 100 all-purpose yards. Again, only 11.6 PPR points, but the usage has been there. He's at 74% of the touches, 78% of the snaps in the last two games. It's all looking 
very, very good for him. And we also have in this backfield, something else I want to touch on is James Cook sort of closing the gap to Zach Moss here where he's had five touches to Zach Moss's eight touches in the last two games. Their routes are about the same, I believe. Yeah, their routes run are nine and nine. It does feel like where Daigle points out here, Moss goes from 20% of the routes to 12% to 2%. I think James Cook, well, I think Devin Singletary is passing him up as the pass catcher, but it does seem like now James Cook might even be leapfrocking uh, Moss, which is huge for anybody out there that has James Cook bags. Fifth takeaway. Arthur Smith does not give a damn about your football team or your fantasy football team, man. It's crazy. Just like this chart is wild to look at. Pitts was outsnapped 48 to 34 by Parker Hesse, who I've never heard of. I am a football historian, I would say. And I couldn't even tell you who this guy is, where he came from. They also used Anthony Ferkser. They also used Felipe Franks at tight end. They had four tight ends in this game that they were rotating. And it wasn't even just Pitts, man. He does not care across the board about your fantasy team. Four tight ends rotated in. Four running backs rotated in with Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, Huntley, Avery Williams, who's a special teams converted like DB running back. Wild, man. He only passes the ball yesterday 19 times to 35 carries, just awful all around. Slow, running the ball, rotating players for no reason. It's just tough. And you hate seeing him going to win here against the Browns in a very lucky game, 23-20, to one possession game. So that just affirms, oh, what we just did here, this is a winning formula. And it just, it, it isn't. I know that there's going to be people in the comments that are going to argue, well, they won the game and Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith is doing his thing. Not giving your best players the ball, right? Kyle Pitts and Drake London combining for under 50 receiving yards isn't a sustainable way to win games in the NFL. Neglecting your most talented players on offense and giving the ball to guys like Olamide Zacchaeus and Avery Williams and Caleb Huntley and Anthony Ferkser and Hesse. It's not a winning formula. It's just a way where you can keep games close if you play slow enough and you run the ball enough and you have enough time of possession, you play conservative, you take your field goals, and you Jeff Fisher your way to .500, to 7-10, to 8-9, to 9-8, and and you never have a truly great football team. There's not a lot of upside there. Now, that's just kind of my ranting about that coaching style, and it's something that Dwayne McFarland's been harping on a lot. But if we look at the route participation on Pitts, it's no bueno. I pretty much agree with Dwayne here where... You hate to see it, where 72% route participation, then 91%. 91 was amazing. 91% was great. And then he comes out the next week and he performs. And then we're down to 60% route participation with guys like Hesse playing in front of him. He's a tight end 18 on the season. Not good. We're concerned about Pitts. You can't sell him. You're holding on. I do think spike weeks are coming where his ADOT is just, the, just that high. But if his route participation stays in the 60 to 72% range, it's not good. That's really all I can say. You're not selling him. You're holding on. But Kyle Pitts' experience this far has absolutely sucked. And I will also say, why spend a fourth overall pick on a tight end to use this guy, Hesse? Just let somebody else draft Kyle Pitts, Arthur Smith. Then we have, speaking of an offense that I'm pleasantly surprised by, where Pete Carroll used to be Arthur Smith. And Pete Carroll's actually letting, I think it was, I think it's Shane Waldron is their OC that they've had since 2020. And he looked good in year one. It didn't look great last year. And I mean, man, 
He's really, like, Carroll is really just letting this guy run a modern offense. And it looks really good, man. Like, I'm pleasantly surprised with everything that the Seahawks offense is doing, where they're running a more modern offense. It's pretty funny that they're running the most modern offense that they've ran, I can remember, in their first season after moving on from Russell Wilson, when you would expect them to run slow and run the ball. And I kind of love it. I'm a Jets fan, so... I love seeing Geno Smith like play well. He won a 48 to 45 like Big 12 shootout type game. You honestly love to see it. Now, this is a team that was dead last in offensive plays ran last year with 56.1 on average. They came out here, ran 49 in week one, 47 in week two. It looked like they were on pace to outdo what they did last year, just making the worst fantasy football environment of all time. And then Pete Carroll says something after week two. He's like, we're going to come out here and play fast or whatever. 69 plays, 63 plays. They're running more plays. They're keeping up tempo. They're 12th in pay, uh, pass rate over expected. They're passing the ball. Geno Smith is being super efficient where he's the only quarterback not named Jalen Hurts to have over an 80 pass grade for the year. The weapons are good. Metcalf wide receiver 20. Lockett wide receiver 21. Rashad Penny wide, or running back 24. I mean, this is an offense that nobody expected to do anything this year. And they've been great. I do think, side note, it is just a little bit of proof that, like, we don't know as much as we think we do. We come to the season, we're like, okay, these are going to be the garbage, dumpster fire offenses. And a lot of the time, we're sort of wrong about it. I will say, I don't expect Geno Smith to be playing like this the entire year. I have to imagine the rug gets pulled on him at some point. I, I don't know how he could keep this up. But as long as the offense is calling 60-plus plays per game and they're passing the ball uh, over expectation, like, in the top 15... Their offensive players are going to be startable for fantasy. Then we have Derrick Henry usage change. And we had last year, Derrick Henry comes out the gate super hot and he's getting targets in the passing game. He comes out here this year and through the first two weeks, he wasn't getting any passing game work. I want to say he had like maybe one or two targets through two weeks. The last two weeks, he has now been a full-on all-purpose bell cow which is crazy. He gets 42 of 44 carries the last two weeks, 50 of 57. Robert's participation, 49% of dropbacks is crazy. Now, 60% plus or 65% plus Aaron Jones, Eckler, Kamara, but 49% is amazing for Derrick Henry. Like 40, being in a route on 49% of dropbacks for Derrick Henry is the ceiling. And maybe it might not even be the ceiling if they want to use him more, but that is really, really strong where he's probably usually more around like 10 to 20%. That's really strong. Five and a half targets per game, another crazy number to read. A 23% target share, another crazy number to read for Derrick Henry. And with Traylon Burks getting hurt, I think that only opens up things more for Derrick Henry. So this is a guy that is RB8 on the year. He's now banked two straight five or more target games and two straight 20 or more point games. For me, he's a top like four to five running back rest of season. There's a good chance that Derrick Henry makes me eat my words from this offseason. Then we have... Our eighth lesson learned and that this is a scary, scary scene for Najee right now. Scary, scary, scary scene where he sucked for fantasy. He had no targets this week. He was in a 73-27 split with Jalen Warren. And Jalen Warren took nine of 13 third down and fourth down snaps, which means... The whole point of Najee Harris over, you know, guys like David Montgomery or guys like Josh Jacobs is that he would get that guaranteed like 18 plus carries per game. 
but then he would also give you that target ceiling where he had, I want to say the most targets among all running backs last year. And if it, if it wasn't him, it was Fournette and Najee was like two or three. Zero targets in a game, seeding passing down downs. Two Jalen Warren is no bueno. He's RB26 on the season. It's bad. He's looking like a dead zone running back at this point that is just going to give you replaceable running back to production. We'll see if things change, but really, really tough scenes for Najee. Then we have our first time seeing James Robinson versus ETN in a trailing game script. They end up losing to the Eagles here. They were up early by a lot, but then a bunch of fumbles happened from Trevor Lawrence. They end up losing this game. And we finally get an environment where we see what it looks like when they're not just like steamrolling teams for no reason. And we see ETN outsnap James Robinson, 24 to 22. We see they both get eight targets or they both get eight carries. Neither of them get a target, which is really weird considering ETN had 55.5% of the routes or was running around on 55.5% of the pass plays, which is almost at the elite level. We want it 65% plus, but it's a step in the right direction for a guy who was like hovering around like 40 to like 35%. And then James Robinson, 28.5%. So they were both running routes. Neither of them caught any targets or neither of them commanded any targets, but I wouldn't really even call this a positive for ETN, but it's at least, at least we saw what this looks like where when it's going to be a script like this, ETN sold a preferred option in the passing game. We'd like to see him command more targets on that many routes, but yeah, I'm not going to say this is super bullish for ETN. It just kind of shows the floor of James Robinson if they're not beating a team or keeping it close with the team, but they're not going to run into Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, and that Eagles front every week. I just, I just, it just, it's a good way to show. Now, I'm not saying like go sell James Robinson or James Robinson isn't still an RB2 for me rest of season. It's just not every game is going to look like when they're beating down the Colts 24 to 0 or when they're beating down the Chargers like 31 to 10 or whatever, or 34 to 10, whatever it was. A little bit more sober, sobering. What sucks is that even in this game script, ETN didn't really thrive anyways. So I'm not saying you can't start him in game scripts like this, but he still is getting to me in my mind, like McKissick, Hines treatment, where he is a low floor option in negative game scripts. Then our last takeaway, our last lesson learned for today is Josh Jacobs is an all-purpose king. And this is a tweet from J.J. Zacharyson that shows his target share and his PPR points by week. And he goes from like a 2 to 3% target share guy to a full-on roll change to 14%, 20%. That's going to be something you want to monitor when uh, Dwayne McFarlane's utilization report comes out. I think it comes out on My Fantasy Life. I think it comes out on PFF. It's going to be very interesting to see the two-minute drill and to see the third down participation for Jacobs. He comes out here at a 71% participation which again 65 percent plus is like Eckler Kamara those guys Jacobs was used like that this week he had 28 carries he had a 20 percent target share if any of this sticks after a 28 carry 144 yard two touchdown on the ground game to go with six targets for five catches and 31 yards if any of it sticks if he can see a 65 percent or better lead or uh, participation and if he can see like a 12 percent or better target share he's probably like a top 10 running back rest of season now that is going to do it for us today. We already ran a little bit long here. We're at like 30 minutes here. If you enjoyed, if you enjoyed the takeaways, you enjoyed the breakdowns, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like. And as always, I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice. I got the juice. on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of on. Rapper song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner.